0: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site. On the fan side of network, happy Monday, everybody. Happy media day. And the start of training camp is uh, tomorrow. It's on Tuesday. Uh, a reminder that you can follow this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, of course, the all new Odyssey app. Um, you can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that uh, we're also on YouTube. And um, a quick thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube uh, at the Locked On Wolves YouTube channel. So plenty of places you can find the show. Today, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, with Media Day today, there's plenty of news and notes. The Timberwolves training camp roster has been released. We kind of already knew what that was going to look like, but that's officially out there. A little bit more news on the vaccination status of the Timberwolves roster, the players that will be in camp and, and where that stands. And then also a New Jersey patch partner for the Timberwolves. Uh, we can kind of put a bow on the Gerson Rosas firing, which a week ago uh, would have seemed crazy if on last Monday's show I said, hey, uh, you know, Rosas is going to be fired in 48 hours. Everyone would have thought I was crazy, um, including myself. But hey, uh, we're now five or so days removed from it. So we've got a little bit more information, kind of want to you know, wrap that whole thing up with, with what other folks from around the NBA media landscape have said about the Wolves and the firing of Rosas, then also the impact that that's had on the Ben Simmons trade talks, uh, what we think it may have in terms of an impact moving forward. And uh, you know, with Sachin Gupta now running the show in the front office, what's that going to look like uh, and, and when it comes to the trade talks with Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers? And then I want to finish by talking briefly about Towns, Carl Anthony Towns' ranking on ESPN and Sports Illustrated's player ranks. Um, I want to get into this more later this week. Because I really want to dive into all four of the Wolves players that were listed on both the SI and ESPN list, three on ESPN, four on Sports Illustrated, and talk about some of the players ranked around them and, and uh, if, if those rankings make sense, right? You know Who's ranked ahead of them that shouldn't be? Who are they ranked ahead of that they probably shouldn't be ranked ahead of? Um, and that'll basically be that conversation. So that's all on the show today. By the way, we are back to daily this week, Monday through Friday. Each day we'll have a show. There will be plenty to talk about with training camp um, here upcoming and uh, preseason games start, believe it or not, a week from today. So, a week from tomorrow, we'll be doing our first uh, post game, you know, uh, I guess. I don't even remember what I called it, the post-game podcast, right? Uh, Where we're actually going to look at everything that happened in the game. We'll look at winners and losers or studs and duds, I guess. Man, I'm really out of practice with this. Studs and duds, uh, you know, the three takeaways from each game. All that's going to start next Tuesday following the preseason opener on Monday. So a huge week ahead. Um, Let's hit some of the training camp notes real quickly here off the top. I think that it's important to to know where the roster's at as we head into it. Um, So basically the rosters. Pretty much as expected, right? It's all the regular roster guys. In addition to that, um, it's it's the two way players. It's McKinley Wright. It's Nathan Knight, and it's the four uh, the four players that have been added um, that we talked about the other day. Um, and I'm gonna find the list here. I lost it, but uh, it'll be those same guys that we expected to see. Uh, in training camp the two players Brian Bowen or excuse me yeah Brian Bowen Brian Bowen and Bruce Bowen uh, confused there Brian Bowen will be in training camp he's from uh, was on the summer League team so we know he'll be there um, and we'll look at at uh, you know some of these Isaiah Miller is another one who was on the summer League team we expected him to be to be invited to training camp he's on an exhibit 10 deal um, and is very unlikely to make the roster but will almost certainly be on the roster of the Iowa Wolves but he's a, a uh, Hard nosed, defensive uh, minded point guard, undrafted rookie out of UNC Greensboro. Matt Lewis is a player who we didn't know a lot about, um, or at least I should speak for myself, didn't know a lot about coming into this. Um, but he is—he's on the roster. He's a wing, six five, really a six five guard with good shooting numbers in college. Went to a small school, uh, uh, James Madison, and um, we'll get to see him probably have a shot. You know, mostly in training camp, more as a camp body, and then also Chris Silva, who split time the last couple of years uh, with. Miami and Sacramento. He's with Miami two years ago, played 40-some games for the team that ended up going to the conference finals, although he didn't play in the playoffs. That was the, the COVID shortened bubble year. And then last season was traded as part of the Nemanja Bielitsa trade, was sent from Miami to Sacramento, just played in a handful of games there, and joined the Wolves now on a camp deal. So those four players, again, highly unlikely to make the team. Isaiah Miller probably has the best chance, uh, followed by Brian Bow in the second. But all four of them have a strong uh, a strong opportunity to be on the Iowa Wolves G League roster uh, when the Wolves break break camp here in several weeks um, but those four will join the other 16 under contract, including the two-way guys. Really excited to see how Nathan Knight looks, how McKinley Wright look with the main guys. And obviously the players we've never seen in, in a Wolves uniform at all, you know, including Torian Prince. Um, he would probably be, uh, he and Patrick Beverly are the two big veteran additions. And then of course, Leandro Balmaro, very excited to see what he brings um, as well. Related to vaccination status, the Wolves, so there was a report by Darren Wolfson of Score North and KSTP in the Twin Cities on I think Friday, maybe Thursday of last week, where he responded to a question on Twitter and said that the majority of Timberwolves players had been vaccinated and, and the Wolves feel good about where they're at, and or I should say fully vaccinated, and they were moving towards a place where everyone would be fully vaccinated. Um, the, the team released some information, And the information is directly related to media availability. They're going to do a hybrid virtual and in-person media media availability this year and are requiring media members attending in person to be fully vaccinated, confirm vaccination status and wear masks. Um, so there's, you know, I think we've seen that certainly in, in other places. We've seen a lot of teams. I don't believe the Wolves have announced what they're going to do in terms of attendance and require from the fans, but I know Oklahoma City um Uh, Oklahoma City, I think it's uh, Golden State have required vaccination, proof of vaccination to enter for games in terms of attendance. So we'll see how all that shakes out. Uh, But interesting to see uh, Doogie Wolfson's report that the majority of the team is fully vaccinated. The Wolves feel like they're in a good spot with that. Um, So we'll keep an eye on it if there's any news. Of course, Andrew Wiggins has made some news with Golden State, is very um, open about his vaccination status and it could be an issue. Uh, or will be an issue if he doesn't get vaccinated, related to playing in San Francisco and other cities across the NBA that are not going to allow unvaccinated players to participate. Uh, and again, this isn't an NBA move. It's specific to the NBA has all kinds of other requirements, including daily testing, sometimes multiple times, I think on game days, multiple times a day for unvaccinated individuals. And uh, But this would be a, a city ordinance or a city rule um, in the city of San Francisco, not allowing Wiggins to play uh, with, with the rest of the players. So, We'll keep an eye on that, uh, just from an NBA level, you know, interest standpoint, and then of course with Wiggins being a long time member of the Timberwolves, as another layer of significance, I think, uh, to this podcast. But anyway, uh, that's kind of the news and notes hit here. I, I want to talk about the Rosa stuff a little bit more and and try and put a bow on it. I mean, obviously, it's it's still a very hot topic and um, and, for, and for good reason. You know, a surprising kind of out of the blue firing dismissal of Rosas last week. But I, you know, I want to focus on basketball this week, but I I want to put a bow on it related to what everybody else around the league said with John Hollinger, of course, of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast and and of The Athletic, what he said, and then get into a little bit of the Sachin Gupta-Daryl Morey thing briefly before we get into the town's uh, player rank at both ESPN and SI. So we're going to get into all that here in just a minute. First, though, let's talk about our new friends over at Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score and train an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are... Over. The days of mindless busy work daily are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of the busy work also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away opponents defensive ranking pace of play and more it all adds up to more strategy and less of that dreaded busy work whether you prefer redraft keeper or dynasty game picks has you covered sleeper crack the fantasy basketball code if you play fantasy football which by the way i do and my dynasty league is through sleeper and it's fantastic if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work again more like fantasy football you're going to love game picks download the sleeper app and start a league with your friends today you will not be disappointed all right, let's also talk about our, uh, I guess really not that new anymore, but our friends over at DirecTV with, with DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. Maybe you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I wanna tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the, uh, the Rosa stuff. So, Quickly, let's hit on the uh, what everyone's saying about the Rosas firing. Some of the stuff is a couple days old now, but I think it's really important to make sure that we, uh, we discuss it here. Um, so- of course, John Krasinski of The Athletic in the Twin Cities, as well as Sham Shrani, also The Athletic, you know, on a, on a national uh, basis, a, a broader landscape. They reported the firing within minutes of Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. John provided some additional context over at The Athletic on the firing. We talked about this on last Thursday's show. Um, but basically everything from a list of issues that some team, some members of the Wolves organization had with Rosas, and that's mostly focused on some of the personnel stuff. So including the firing of Ryan Saunders, namely, you know, bringing Ryan Saunders to the East coast to be part of, uh, to be, to coach the game against the Knicks, fire him after the game on the road, send him back home and then have Chris Finch meet the team. I think it was in Milwaukee. Um, just a very weird and it was weird at the time, but everybody was like, oh, he's getting his guy and Chris Finch. That whole process was weird. Also, prior to that, the firing of, of Zarko uh with the uh, with, with uh, longtime Timberwolves scout going back to, I think, the late 90s, early 2000s, European scout that the Wolves let his contract expire post-COVID year. So going, uh, well, I shouldn't say post-COVID, post the initial COVID year heading into this, this last, the 2020-2021 season. And the Wolves kind of unceremoniously let him go, did not explore really extending his contract um, beyond you know what it was at. I think he'd asked for a pay raise, and, and they basically said no, just kind of let him go. So apparently some people in the organization upset about that. Again, this is according to John Krasinski's article at The Athletic. So those things are all important. Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, he was the one who almost immediately after the firing last Wednesday afternoon – talked about the potential interest that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, of course, the Wolves' new owners that are currently 20% owners in the team, but by the end of 2023 will be majority owners. They are fond of, was the the phrasing he used, of Elton Brand, who's currently in the Sixers front office, was in charge of the front office before Daryl Morey came there and they had interest in him or do have interest in him, et cetera. He also talked, he had some more details on the, uh, as it was called in the Krasinski article, a consensual intimate relationship that came to light between Rosas and a member of the Timberwolves front office staff, he had some more details about uh, you know things that happened in public over the weekend at an official team outing with other members of the organization present. Uh, I'll kind of leave it at that. You can go check the article out if you want. But basically, the public nature of this relationship uh, made everybody uncomfortable. I shouldn't say everybody, but made many people within the organization uncomfortable. It was brought again to ownership. There was photographic evidence of, of some of this public, uh, you know, interaction between Rosas and this other individual, and that it sounds like really expediated the process. And this is something Krasinski talked about in his piece is that that wasn't the reason. For dismissing Gerson Rosas, but it is probably kind of the final straw. It's it's the thing that said, "Hey, look, instead of waiting on this thing, it's got to happen now. We have to let him go uh, because this is this is not how we want to go into the season with somebody who we know we're going to let go eventually." And also, everybody's uncomfortable, or many people are uncomfortable. So um, that was kind of the, I guess the um, the chronology of how all that happened. And then the last thing would be uh, would be John Hollinger at the Athletic, of course, also the Hollinger and Duncan podcast right here on the Locked On Network. Um, Hollinger of course was a longtime ESPN employee. He worked in the Memphis Grizzlies front office for several years. He has definitely dealt with several Timberwolves regimes in the front office dating back to, uh, well, I guess depending on his relationships with front offices when he was at ESPN, but certainly going to the con years, Saunders, you know, uh, Ryan, excuse me, Flip Saunders in there at one point. Um, the various front offices, Milton Newton, the, the different people that have come through the Wolves front office. So he, you know, depending on your perspective of Hollinger, he's got perspective on this issue, or I should say, regardless of any any one person's thoughts on Hollinger and his thoughts, he can speak on this issue. He has the gravitas to speak on it because he's dealt with all these Wolves front offices. And he basically says, hey, the Wolves have never found the right person. Um, you know, Flip Saunders, actually, his his. there were a couple of weird moves in there, you know, reacquiring Kevin Garnett, kind of, it cost some assets in Thaddeus Young, and there were some, the Zach Levine pick at the time seemed kind of weird, but actually it ended up great. Um, I guess trading or yeah, trading back and picking up Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang uh, back in in the draft where Giannis went. Of course, tons of teams passed on Giannis. We could pick apart... The Flip Saunders regime, but that was the most competent one in the past, You know, going back to his first time leading the front office with Kevin McHale back in the late 90s, early 2000s. There hasn't been a lot of competency besides that. And Hollinger points that out. And and he only mentions Glenn Taylor really in passing as as somebody to blame, which I thought was interesting because the only common denominator here is Glenn Taylor going back to the mid-90s. He's the only one that's been here the entire time through it all. And since then, the Wolves have made the playoffs. They've advanced from the first round, of course, only one time in in 04 when they went to the Conference finals and uh, and since Garnett left, the first time they made the playoffs, one time, winning just one playoff game that season. So, I thought it was interesting that that direct path, that direct line from the point that was made by Hollinger didn't, I mean, it was connected to Taylor, but almost kind of tangent, not, not, well, it wasn't tangential, but it wasn't direct either. It was just kind of like in passing, like, oh yeah, Glenn Taylor's been the owner. Um, but he also says, Hollinger says in his piece for The Athletic, he says there's, quote, cause for cautious optimism on the court. He talks about uh, basically this, this team has, we could be cautiously optimistic because of what Towns brings to the table, because of uh, the, the, Likely chemistry that we haven't really seen that much between Towns and Russell due to injury. But what, you know, Anthony Edwards promising rookie season. Of course, Malik Beasley, who at the time Hollinger thought he was overpaid in, in free agency, but now it seems like he's come around realizing that, hey, if Beasley played like he did, he plays like he did for. The better part of the 51 games he's played in a Timberwolves uniform, he's gonna be worth that contract and then some. Um, so it's a it's an interesting piece. It's all about the Timberwolves. It was published, I think, last Thursday. So go check that out if you have an athletic subscription. But I think John does an outstanding job of kind of dissecting the Wolves situation and uh, being brutally honest about the issues that the Wolves have had in terms of the front office. Uh, the other thing that I wanna note is the Sachin Gupta thing. Um, this has been reported in a couple of different places namely Darren Wolfson locally I think also maybe Dane Moore talked about how Gupta and uh, of course if you're not if you're not sh- if you aren't aware Sachin Gupta is the EVP the executive vice president of basketball ops with the Wolves he's been given oversight of the basketball operations department while they search for a permanent president of basketball ops the wolves said in their statement last week their second statement on wednesday after Rosas was dismissed that gupta would maintain his title of EVP of basketball operations but would have oversight of the basketball ops department so there is not an interim president of basketball operations and it's somewhat semantics uh, but it is important um, the wolves also said they were opening a search for a president of basketball ops so i think that was somewhat implied in their statement but it's been reported now in a couple of additional places that gupta's title has not changed he just simply running the basketball operations department for the Timberwolves uh, while the Wolves look for a permanent solution. And Gupta is thought to be one of the top you know, guys uh, in terms of up and coming basketball operations leaders within the entire NBA. So there's a real chance that he ends up getting the job permanently uh, moving forward. But right now he's got oversight. And Gupta and Mori, Daryl Mori, the president of basketball ops with the Philadelphia 76ers, have an existing relationship from their time together in Houston. And of course, Gupta reported directly to Gerson Rosas, I think, for a good chunk of that time. Where, and then Rosas reported to Mori. But uh, then Gupta left Houston with Sam Hinkie to go run the front office in Philadelphia. He reported to Hinky there, of course. And then when Hinky was fired in Philadelphia, Gupta went to the Pistons for a season before coming with Rosas, who left Houston to come to Minnesota. So Gupta's reported to you know, indirectly and perhaps at some point directly to Daryl Morey and they've got a relationship and reports are, and I think this was John Krasinski in a, in a follow-up piece late last week that, that, uh, that Gupta did deal directly with Philadelphia early on in the trade conversations before there was this falling out between Gupta and Rosas towards the end of the summer, mid, you know, around the draft. But earlier, May, June, kind of when those conversations first started happening, I guess more June than May, um, since the season was so weird this year in terms of when the Sixers actually got knocked out of the playoffs. But Gupta was involved in those conversations with the Sixers about Ben Simmons. So there's no reason to think that this this uh, dismissal of Rosas would hinder the Wolves' chances at getting Ben Simmons at all. If anything, it could help them uh, because, and this is this is now my take on this: is Rosas hitched his wagon to D'Angelo Russell two years ago with the helicopter ride and the hard recruitment of Russell as a free agent. Of course, D'Lo ends up signing being signed and traded from Brooklyn to golden state, um, had agreed to that, of course, before the helicopter ride, the infamous helicopter ride. And then months later, Rosas finally gets him and he gives up one of the things that the rest of the front office didn't like. According to this Krasinski piece was the light protections, the top three protection on the first round pick that was sent to golden state along with Andrew Wiggins, a second round pick and a second round pick to get D'Angelo Russell. Rose says D'Angelo Russell was in some sense his white whale. He wanted to get D'Lo and he did. And would he have then been so willing to turn around and flip D'Lo after a handful of games, right? Due to injury, COVID shortened seasons the last two years to Philadelphia for a move to get Ben Simmons. Would that rock the boat with Carl Anthony Towns? How would that look Uh, when he did just move on from Jarrett Culver? Rosas did after admitting a mistake there, trading up to pick Culver in his first draft at the helm. Would he also go back on acquiring D'Angelo Russell? We don't know. That's speculation. But my guess is that it would have been a lot harder for Gerson Rosas to cut ties with D'Angelo Russell and make this trade for Simmons than it would be for Sasha and Gupta. And we'll find out. Um, I guess we won't ever know for sure where things stood. Uh, It's unlikely we'll know before Rosas was dismissed. But now if a trade ends up happening, is it possible that Gupta's presence at the top of the basketball operations department could grease the wheels for that. If he's really got a better relationship or, or a, a closer relationship with Maury than, than did or does, I guess, Gerson Rosas, and or would, did Rosas have any hesitancy related to Russell? Now, I've also said in the past, I don't really think the Sixers want Angel Russell in this deal, but we're getting up to a point now, things are ugly enough there. The leverage is continuing to just erode from the Sixers. Could Daryl Moore be more likely to agree to a deal with D'Angelo Russell now? Because suddenly that looks more attractive than some of the other alternatives, maybe from Sacramento or Portland, if Portland's not including Damian Lillard, or you know a, a wild card team like a Magic or something like that. Um, D'Angelo Russell may not look that bad at this point. So I, I, in my opinion, the Gupta, Gupta being in charge may make it more likely that the Wolves are somehow able to make this thing happen and-, and by this thing, I mean a trade for Ben Simmons. Um, okay, we'll table that for now. I wanna get into the Carl Anthony Towns NBA rank. You know, where did he rank on both ESPN and SI's lists? Is he in the right spot? Where does he rank compared to where he was last year on each of these lists? Let's get into that here in just a second. Uh, first, a reminder about our outstanding friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Um, and I've been talking about this now for a couple of years. I have one every single day. Tastes exactly like a candy bar. I didn't eat protein bars previously. Now I do because it's just like I'm eating a candy bar. Um, and and uh, there's several amazing flavors. Uh, there's actually a mixed box you can get. It's got nine flavors, two of each of the nine main flavors but Built Bar also cycles through these other flavors that you can get for a limited time that are outstanding. Every single one's healthy. The macros in Built Bar is 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from only 130 calories per bar to just 180 calories. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carbs per bar. They're all taste amazing. They're all healthy. Also, um, it, if it couldn't, if you didn't think it could get any better, well, it can. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. Track and Field team. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. I just placed another order this week. Better believe I use the code LOCK15 to get my 15% off at built.com. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the ESPN and Sports Illustrated ranks of Carl Anthony Towns. Let's start with Sports Illustrated. It'll, actually, let's start with ESPN. So ESPN uh, released their ranking, their 25 to six ranking on Friday of last week. Um, actually, I think it was Thursday. It just kind of got lost in the shuffle with the Rosa stuff. So um, Towns last year on ESPN's list was ranked number 23. That was down from number 18 heading into the season that ended up being shortened by COVID-19. So the nineteen twenty season, back in fall of 19, two years ago, he was ranked number 18 in ESPN's list. After the COVID-shortened season, when he had the knee and the wrist injuries, Towns slipped to 23, slipped five spots. Now, this year, he slid just one more spot to 24. I was actually a little bit surprised. I thought ESPN might slide him a little bit further. So only sliding one spot. And I, remember, I mean, he missed a good chunk. He missed a dozen or so games last year between um, the wrist injury, the subluxation in his wrist and then also COVID-19, I think he might've missed a little more than, I think it was like 14 or 15 games total that he missed. And his shooting numbers were down. I mean, from the floor, it was the first time he shot below 50% from the floor in his career. His three-point shooting was down a tick. Um, He shot it better at the line, but he got to the line less often. Um, And the defense improved a little, but it was incremental. And the Wolves as a whole were 28th in defensive rating last year. So I was a little bit surprised that he made it to 24 on this list. Um, but it seems right. I mean, I refer to towns, you know, if you've heard me, you know, guessing on some of these other pods, I always refer to him as a top 25 at worst top 30 player. I think top 25 is fair. And even ESPN agrees with this. And, um, they've got him at 24, one spot ahead of Rudy Gobert, which is interesting to me. Um, and last year he was three spots ahead of Gobert. So he's stayed ahead of Gobert each year, despite how dominant Gobert is defensively. Um, and, you know, he's a slot behind Zion Williamson, a couple behind Drew Holiday. Bam Adebayo is up at 21, which is down for him from 13. Kyrie Irving went from 25 to 20. So consistently, Kyrie is the one who's kind of been jumping towns on these lists because he was a little more healthy last year. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about because last year going into last season, he was still behind towns on every list. I'm not sure I agree with putting Kyrie ahead of of Towns, but again, I want to get to that on a future show. I I do want to talk about that. Chris Middleton's all the way up to 19. I I get it. Um, You win a championship, you get to jump 16 spots. I I understand that. Donovan Mitchell's at the same spot at 18. Trey Young is up from 29 to 17. Again, latest team to the conference finals. Hard to argue that, although I've long been on the Trey Young is overrated bandwagon. Bandwagon or whatever you want to call it. That's I've hitched my wagon to the argument that Trahern's overrated. I'm still going to fight for that, but I'm not going to fight too hard to keep him lower than 17. Jimmy Butler dropped from 12 to 16. Devin Booker from rose from 17 to 15. I'm a little surprised he didn't rise a little higher. Um, so those are kind of the notables. And again, I want to dig into into some of these other ones and kind of argue Towns versus Kyrie, Towns versus Bam Adebayo. Like how do these guys stack up with each other? And is this ranking fair? And, and kind of look at it that way. So that's upcoming later this week. Um, whenever, depending on how the news cycle works for Wolves training camp this week, we'll fit that in sometime this week. Cause I think that's a fascinating conversation to explore. Um, so let's look at the, at the Sports Illustrated one. Um, Sports Illustrated has Towns at number 23 last year. He was at, he was number 18 last season. So last year when when uh, when ESPN had him at 23, SI had him at 18. Now this year ESPN's got him at 24, SI's got him at 23. Um, again, I think that's defensible. I really think he's in the 20 to 25 range. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to put a guy top 20 when he hasn't led his team to the playoffs. And, and that's, it's a messy thing because, you know, there's a lot of other guys, you know, four other guys on the floor and and 12, 13 other guys on the roster who are in charge of getting you to the playoffs and takes a coaching staff. And Towns has had how many front offices and how many coaching staffs and all that's very valid. Uh, But I understand why Towns isn't considered a top 20 player. I just, I think he is firmly in the 20 to 25 range as we've seen in these rankings the last couple of years. Um, But uh, anyway, I think Getting, getting the context of the players that are just behind and just ahead of him is important. Um, and we're looking at you know Devin Booker. Before last year was somehow, I remember getting upset about this a year ago, that Booker was ranked ahead of Towns. Because up until last year, Booker hadn't done anything to suggest that he was better than Towns. Um, it was all offense, no defense. Same thing as Towns, except for that Towns as a big man is more of a unicorn in terms of his skill set than a player like Devin Booker. Now I get it. Booker's you know He's affected winning. He's been good enough defensively. Obviously, Chris Paul joining that team is the biggest reason for that jump. But you look at Devin Booker's uh, improvement in growth and DeAndre Ayton and, and Mikkel Bridges and across the board, there's plenty of reasons why the Suns got better. But that just shows it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Um, the Suns genuinely improved, as did Booker. But where are you assigning um, the credit? Right? It's the opposite of, of assigning blame when, when Towns loses. Uh, where are you assigning the credit? And Booker gets a lot of credit for that. And yet he only rose two spots. Towns, I think if he gets the Wolves to the playoffs this year, if they say they're in, they're in the seven or eight spot and, and they win the play in and, and they're in the actual playoffs, right? The top eight. Um, I could see him easily being top 20, if not top 15. I mean, if the Wolves somehow are able to get a you know, five, six, seven seat or whatever and, and are largely healthy, then I think Towns gets a ton of that credit. He's going to have to um, because that's how they're going to continue to improve. And obviously there's in a similar, similar thing to Phoenix minus the addition of Chris Paul. The Wolves need growth from Anthony Edwards. They need growth and health and defense from DeAndre Russell. They need several things. Um, but... I think if we're sitting here looking at this team and they're in the playoffs next year, Towns immediately jumps five, six, seven spots on this list. He's that good offensively. And it also would imply that the team improved defensively if the Wolves are in the playoffs. So, um Again, I want to get into, into the players around him later this week. So be sure to check back in. Um, and that's a good reminder here as we close the show for today. Make sure if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, you do so. You can do it anywhere you listen. Uh, again, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Remember, we're available free and on all platforms from Apple to Google to Spotify, the all new Odyssey app, of course, and also YouTube. This is, I think, the start of the fifth week on YouTube. So be sure to check it out um, daily on YouTube. Subscribe, like the show there. You can also follow on Twitter at T Wolves. And uh, don't forget the T there, Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Otherwise, that's all we have for you today on the show. Thanks once again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Again, we're daily this week, so we'll be back on Tuesday. Don't forget, we'll be back Tuesday, talk about all things media day, anything big that happens on Monday, all the major quotes. And then of course, training camp actually starts on Tuesday. So Wednesday show, we'll be kind of recapping the first day of training camp and any news or notes related to the Simmons saga and and all that good stuff as we're into like a legitimate NBA news cycle now. Uh, We'll have training camp news and all that good stuff preseason next week. Um, It's exciting really exciting. Um, Okay. That's all we have for you today. Be sure you're subscribed. You're listening daily. Um, Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.